Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This week on It Starts With Attraction. It's important to know how to speak confidently because when you speak confidently, people listen. In today's episode, I am talking with Karen Laus. She's a communication expert and confidence cultivator, and she has done a lot of work in the C-suite and helping people that work at places such as Google, Starbucks, and NASA to be able to more confidently communicate. And while she's done a lot of work in the corporate sector, today we talk about how confidently communicating in relationships sets us up for success as well. Let's dive into today's episode. There's a process to falling in love, and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. Karen, I'm really excited to be talking with you today. I actually heard you first on Donald Miller's podcast. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. And I thought this woman would be such a blessing to my audience as well, because you talk all about how to have unshakable confidence and to communicate confidently. And yes. some of the, some of my listeners are in the, in the business space, you know, in the career space, but some of them, they're looking for how to confident, how to more confidently communicate in their relationships. So I have a lot of questions for you on that, but before we get started and dive in, I mean, how did you get into this space of wanting to help people communicate more confidently? Sure. Well, I have to take a moment to digress because I have so many crazy dating stories. <laughs> I got married later in life. I'm thinking, okay, yeah. I'm excited to dive in there. I've, I've learned so much. And I would say that really pivots to how I get into not necessarily my dating life, but because I grew up with a father that was very traditional. My The home was very traditional. And so it was really about, oh, you on one hand, I had this dad that taught me how to negotiate at flea markets when I was six years old. You know, he gave me a few dollars and said, go have Love fun, it. but never pay full price. Love so it. I have never been one afraid to ask for what I want. Hmm. On the other hand, in the home, my mom was very much submissive to the point where she lost herself. And so hmm. I was confused as a kid. Do I speak up? Oh, but no, I have to be quiet. And so mm. I have always had this passion to help women be empowered, but I didn't know what that really meant, especially in my younger years. And then as I moved into, I started in HR, moved into corporate training, and then really for the past 20 years have specialized in leadership presence, specifically in how you come across with your voice and your body language. 
and also how to make a message stick. What's going to make you memorable and stand out? And as a result of that, I I got all those great tools with a, a wonderful corporate career and left in July of 2020 to focus specifically on helping people find their voice and know how to use it. Ultimately, to be more of themselves, to get that alignment of not trying to people please all the time or always looking at, oh, I better not say anything because I don't want to be judged or hold back because of that. So I really love to help people focus on being confident communicators. And I would say that the joy that I get from it is so rewarding because it's tangibly making a difference in people's lives. Yes. I love that. So how do you know when you're talking with someone who's a confident communicator versus someone who can build their, who has the opportunity to build their confidence a bit more. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about one of the things that is that we could all practice because it fits every medium. And that is our voice. Hmm. I see a lot of people misrepresenting their brilliance just by how they're talking. So, um, you know, if I um, talk like this, <laughs> it's a yeah. totally different experience. So we've heard to speak- <laughs> Yeah, you've got to be able to speak with conviction. Mm-hmm. So what that means very tangibly is, number one, speak louder most of the time. And remember that the breath support is coming from our diaphragm, which is that wonderful muscle right around our stomach. Most people even though they know they might need to speak louder, they tend to speak louder like this. And then they sound like they're yelling. They get into their throat as opposed to in their gut. And when we speak from our gut, we generally have a deeper tone and a deeper tone has been linked in research to people thinking that you're more credible and more confident. And what I love about that is you don't even have to be confident, but (laughs) you can just practice. I love the idea of acting as if and how powerful that could be. So volume is one. Vocal variety is another one. Changing up your volume, your pitch, and your pace. And the opposite being monotone voice. As you know, nobody wants to listen to a monotone voice. Very true. I would say probably the biggest one, though, that I notice a lot in all genders, and that is upspeak. When we end a statement with a question mark or a comma. Mm. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot in introductions. So just as a quick modeling, I'll model, I'll model option A and option B and see what you think. So if I were to say, hi, I'm Karen Laus, and I'm originally from Minneapolis, but now I live in San Francisco. That's how most people talk because it's usually a run-on sentence versus, hi, I'm Karen Laus. I do know my name. (laughs) I am originally from Minneapolis, but now I live in San Francisco. Yeah. All I'm doing is punctuating. It's fascinating to me because if, if we spoke the way that we wrote with punctuation, we would have those pauses inserted we would speak with a declarative tone rather than a questioning one. <laughs> it's so right. different when you hear it, but it's amazing how many people do this. Mm-hmm. It really is. Do you see women doing it more than men or do you see it being pretty equal? I'd say it's pretty equal. 
but there's more press or coverage for women doing it. Like if you Mm -hmm. look at any of the, I don't know, sort of jokey videos online, it's usually making fun of women doing it. And if Mm -hmm. we think about in part where this may have originated, if you think back to Valley Girl speak, it's like the Valley Girl. So right away it comes there. And then when I worked at Gap for many years in their corporate office, we actually called it Gap Speak. Because people would talk like this, and now we're going to go and move on to Project X, and then we're going to move here. (laughs) So people, again, might be around. This is where I think it is a little hard. Here's what I know. In the thousands of people that I've coached, I can say with confidence that it is both men and women. And where it usually shows up is when we introduce ourselves, because Mm -hmm. most people when they introduce themselves, they have one long run-on sentence and, and such that we rarely ever pause. But again, this goes, I've seen that with men and women, but it seems that it's more pronounced. Some of the more extreme cases tend to be women. And yeah. Kim Kardashian made this popular, frankly. And it's it's definitely not something that I would recommend. I have no opinion about her one way or another except when I think about speech patterns that, okay, we copy people that we want to emulate or be like. And so I do think that, and because she's a woman, I do think that a lot of women have copied that speech pattern, but it's not serving people if we want to build trust and credibility with our audience, whether it's in a relationship personally, or whether it's in the business world. Right. And even the copying of people who maybe we're not necessarily wanting to be like them consciously, but we're around them a lot. Yes. And so their habits are rubbing off on us. And there's someone this about a year, maybe two years ago. And I'm, I was trying to remember who this is in my life, but there's someone who says, um, a lot. And, <laughs> uh, and there's a certain cadence to how they say, um, and I noticed myself starting to do it. And I thought, Oh no, 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 no. But it can be hard when that's the people you're surrounded with and when they're doing that, it's all you pick up on. Ah, so how do you, well, yeah. So what I was going to say is that exactly in line with what I was thinking when, right, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about my nieces and nephews. So when I leave them, they're pretty young and it's like, like, it's like, it's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I have to stop myself and recalibrate. And if I were, if I'm going to, I think what you might, possibly we're going to say next is how do you get past that? Is that right? Yeah. How do you train yourself to undo some of those bad behaviors and then to keep your behaviors that you want and not be negatively influenced by the ums, the likes, the high-pitched voices, those things? Yeah, it is really tough. So I, I would say mm-hmm. the two things that I'd recommend, it's, it's based on objective feedback. The number one thing is to record yourself And most people don't want to do it because we don't want to listen back, (laughs) but recording yourself on video or at least audio in a real life situation is the best way to see what your voice patterns are. And the other one that's the objective force is feedback from other people. Mm -hmm. And I will say most people aren't good at asking for feedback. So let's say you and I were in a a meeting together. And I said to you, Hey, Kim, how do you think I did on that meeting? You're probably going to say, Oh, you did fine. 
But if I say to you, I am working on my filler words and I tend to say, you know, a lot, did that Mm -hmm. come across as distracting or did I say a lot? Because most people aren't trained to get that analytical, but they will notice if it was too much. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that I would 100% say, and most people don't want to bother doing that. But if you really want to know how you're coming across and the best way to change it is to first figure out when you're doing it, because we all tend to have patterns. And sometimes it's simply, wait, who have I been around? And then noticing, and and there is a almost sweet spot where you start hearing it. And like you said just a minute ago, oh, like you're aware of it. And you go, ah, oh, I hear myself doing that. No, 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 I got to stop this. And like anything in life, we're never going to do anything unless we have a compelling reason to change. Because I sometimes have people that come and and work with me and they'll say, oh, I know what you're going to say. I say them all the time. Or I know what you're going to say. I do this. And I say, well, (laughs) if you know that's what I'm going to say, and you've known this for years, why haven't you changed it? Clearly, there hasn't been enough reason to do so. So that's another decision I think we all have to make. Here's another question I have. So as we're talking about this, clearly it makes sense when you're speaking on a stage or you're presenting in a boardroom, you need to present confidently. But I don't know about you, but I, when, when I give a speech or when I'm in the middle of a meeting, I don't have these bad habits. I've trained myself in those settings that I don't have them. But when I go home or when I'm with my friends, it it changes. It's kind of the environment is different. And so I'll say um more, I'll say like more. Mm-hmm. Is it just as important to make sure that we're showing up confidently in our relationships? And if so, then what does that, well, not even what does that look like? Why? Why do we need to have less filler words, more confidence <laughs> when I'm just talking with my husband at home after a long day of work? Yeah, well, it's remarkable for any of us to be that compartmentalized. This goes back to intentionality. So you have trained yourself. You've been intentional about doing it. Most Mm -hmm. of us are thinking about so many other things that the brain space that that would take up is probably not something we're going to be invested in. The reason why I think it's important is that if you practice these skills, when the stakes aren't high, then Mm -hmm. you will have them more part of your muscle memory. And you won't have to think so hard when you do have a high stakes situation where you have to make sure that you're pausing and doing all the things that we're talking about. But specifically, since we're talking a little bit about filler words right now and focused on that a bit, that's what I was thinking about is, okay, am I going to be able to bring this without a ton of mental energy when I really need it. So that's my thought on it. I don't think that we have to be so rigid about it that we have to be perfect everywhere we go. I'm the same way as you. I mean, it's funny because I I noticed myself the other day, oh gosh, I'm saying like a lot in this conversation. (laughs) The other person was too. And I felt like, oh, I just, again, I kind of went along with it, but Mm -hmm. I was also aware of it. And this is where it really does come back to, are you standing out or are you pretty much like everybody else? And that's another question for all of us to ask. And, and I will tell you, Kim, full disclosure for me, this, 
this came to life in a way, it was a positive thing, but it was so enlightening to me because it was many years ago when I was in a leadership group and we met once a month. And I had two of the people in that group pull me aside at, at different points during that, like within a couple of months and say, I love watching you talk. And this wasn't high stakes. Like these people, when I say it wasn't high stakes, yes, it was a leadership group, but it's not like I was thinking about, oh, I have to present well because of whatever thing. It was mm -hmm. like a mastermind where we were sitting around brainstorming and idea mm -hmm. ideating. And the fact that two people said, I love watching the way you use your hands and the way that you speak with your voice, that was a huge that was a huge aha for me and also a very exciting moment because I thought, wow, I don't even think about this stuff anymore. For mm -hmm. years I did. But that was that moment where I thought that is such a good example that I actually stood out to people. And I did, yeah. I get that a fair amount of, oh, I love the way you speak. And sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing, but a big part of it is speaking in complete sentences and landing with a declarative tone. Honestly, I feel like, okay, if you do nothing else, just land with a declarative tone. Even if you have some filler words, it's no big deal, but make sure you land so you don't sound like you're unsure. And, you know, as I'm thinking about relationships, thinking about yeah even just marriage relationships, when there's times that my husband and I have differing opinions on something, how much more impactful is it when I can go to him and use these things when I'm confidently presenting my reasons or my side and, and how that may allow him to take what I'm saying with more weight or to respect it more and same the other way. I don't yes. think it's a gender thing here, like you were no. saying, but if he seems wishy-washy when he's presenting something he may want to do, then I may just not take it as seriously as opposed to if he's presenting it a, a certain way. Now, yeah. I wanted to ask, can I, I wanted to ask you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Because I have a success story from a client in her marriage specifically around right. asking for what you need. And this Perfect. was so cool because she, she left me a message. She goes, you're not going to believe this. She goes, I, I approached my husband and I can't remember even what she wanted, but she was trying to convince him of something. And she called me after the second round. So I didn't hear the first, but basically she called me the second round and said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened. I went to him and said what I wanted, but I didn't actually say it directly. It was a passive ass, like, well, if we think about it and trying to kind of tiptoe around it. And then she was disappointed that he didn't seem to be that interested. So she said, okay, I decided to use the tools that you gave me. And I proactively went back to him and I said, I want to be clear. This is what I want us to do. Would this be okay with you? What do you think of it, this? And he totally bought into it. It was completely the way that she brought it to the table. And this to me is all about asking directly versus that passive like you're not, again, kind of the waffling. And if we can be yes. clear and say, this is what I want. And I think most people yeah. don't say that, whether it's in a relationship or in business, because it's vulnerable. We don't know. They might say no. This the right. same thing happened to me in my marriage before we even got married. So, but that's a whole other story. But I know you had another question or a thought. Well, wanting to dive deeper into, so what are some of the other things that we do that lessen the impact of what we're trying to say? 
And how can we be aware of those so that we can stop doing them? And especially, I love the example you just gave about the woman asking her husband to do something. Cause I know a lot of my listeners, that's where they struggle. They struggle in communication or in compromise or things like that in their relationships. So this, I'd love to land on this for a minute and just talk about more tactics that people can use yeah. to actually yeah. be more confident, even when just approaching their husband or wife, someone yes. who they yeah. know and have known for years, but maybe they're still <laughs> nervous about having a certain conversation. Yeah. I have another example about my marriage. So Great. This was a number of years ago, and I remember it was actually fairly into our marriage, fairly newly into our marriage. And I don't like clutter. And he had this desk that was in our living room. We live in San Francisco at the time, very small space. And so instead of just asking him if he could clean the mail up, here's what I said instead. Um, so, uh, honey, how long are those papers going to be around your desk? <laughs> <laughs> He's so good with me. He said, what is your request? <laughs> I'm hearing a request in there. I had the hardest time saying that. I felt so weird because I wasn't conditioned to ask directly. I grew up in a very much like you asked passively. I grew up in Minnesota. It's very much just inferring and I love that he was coaching me. And so, he, but he, he actually gently made me ask because I didn't want to. And he said, just, I know you want to ask me, what is your request? And I finally just said, would you please clean your desk up? Because you know that I really dislike clutter. But mm -hmm. the fact that, that it sounds so simple, but it was so hard for me. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's again, what, and, and usually I'd say, you know, there's this thing in psychology called the rescue wish. And I find a lot of adults do that where we, we throw out something like, oh, I'm cold. Well, mm -hmm. what do you want me to do about that? And, and right. instead saying, Hey, could we turn the thermostat up because I'm cold or, you know, little things like that. But I, I, in my experience, people are doing that so much and I have to keep in check about myself too. How often am I doing this rescue wish, hoping that my husband is going to, and this happens in business too, like hoping someone will, oh, oh, honey, let me check, you know, let me raise the thermos. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that we are generally not very good at asking for our emotional needs to be net met. And we need to take ownership first to determine what are those needs. Like maybe sometimes you need perspective and you, but you don't really know, or you need to just to be, I think this is a big one where we want to be heard, but so we throw out a complaint and at the, at the, at the root of every complaint is a longing. So if we can mm -hmm. get to, even when, even thinking about for those of us, wh whether we're speaking or whether we're coaching our partners to gently get what they need, like my husband coaching me. I do think that's a good thing to say, hey, it sounds like you need something. What do you mm -hmm. need? Because I'd love to be able to meet that need for you. And that's a great mm -hmm. way that we can coach our partners to really get clear on, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I'll, I don't need you to solve this. I just need you to listen. Can I vent for five minutes? Right. And I even think about, you know, I remember another time I came home uh, about a year into our marriage and I love to talk, so as you can tell. And my husband said something that was very surprising to me. He said, you know, I didn't realize this about you, but you tend to complain a lot. Hmm. And I said, what? 
I don't see it as complaining. He said, well, it, it comes across like you're complaining. And that's when we talked about me being more direct in what I needed. And so what I just shared about the venting was a direct outcome of that conversation to say, I really, I'd really like you to vent. And he, his whole posture shifted because mm-hmm. there was a purpose and the owning of my needs helped him to be able to meet those needs rather than just sitting to his wife, just babble on about her day. Right. Oh, I love this one. And like you said earlier, it's so true. The fear of, but what if I do ask for what I want and they still say no? I mean, I believe that's one of the biggest barriers to entry into into asking for what you want. Would you yeah. say that there's others that you have found in your work with people? Well, I do think that we all want to look good. We mm. we want we want to be liked. So I do think that that's a, a big one. And when I used to do a lot of leadership coaching at the Gap corporate office, I remember we taught out of a book called the no the knowing doing gap. No, no pun not not intended to be a pun. It is kind of funny that it's called that. It was at the Gap, but it was these two researchers out of Stanford named Pfeffer and Sutton. And they did a lot of work specifically with businesses, but it really Mm -hmm. came down to the fact that there are three things they called them senior commitments. I always thought that was sort of a weird term, but basically there are three things that as human beings, we are all committed to above all else. And that is looking good, being right and being in control. Mm. So looking good, being right, being in control. I have found that so helpful because sometimes if somebody isn't doing something, for example, or doing something that we want, or maybe doesn't make a request directly, it could stem from some of those things. And I feel like it it makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, I just want to feel in control. That's why I don't want to be vulnerable and maybe get a no, because that will make me feel out of control. Or I want to look good, so I don't want to say this or that. So a lot of times we're censoring our words, but I do think it really comes down to how we want to feel or not feel around. Well, let me put it more clearly, the people pleasing aspect, really, or something related to how we want people to feel good about us. And I also think that's why people avoid conflict, because people want to feel good around other people and in their relationships. So... It's really tough. It, I do think that it takes a lot of personal growth, and I've certainly done a ton of it over my life so far, and I still have so much to learn. But it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough thing. Because basically what you said is we're consciously or subconsciously weighing, would I rather ask for my need or would I rather continue to have acceptance? Like that's can be the weight and gravity of how we're positioning in our mind when probably the majority of the time asking for what we need is not going to affect whether or not someone else accepts us, but that's how we've positioned it. I mean, it's, that's the fear. That's a beautiful way to put it. It's true. And it's scary to own your needs. It really, I mean, I, I feel like, for me, you know, so much of my life was spent just based on what I didn't realize, but was very ingrained about my parents' marriage. One person controlled the other, and I certainly didn't want to be the one being controlled. Yeah. So I ended up choosing these 
passive men that I thought that I could control. That's where I spent most of my life. And so this idea of actually making my own choice, because I remember my therapist when I was trying to figure out if I should marry my husband and we've been back and forth for 10 years. And my therapist really said something very simple, but it was super profound. And he goes, well, what do you want, Karen? And I said, well, I don't know what Chris wants yet. Hmm. As if I was looking for Chris to make the choice. And then that would be my fate <laughs> Yeah, because I was so socially conditioned to my dad just called the shots in the household. So I remember when, then when my therapist pushed me, he said, no, but who cares what Chris wants? What do you want? Do you want to be mm -hmm. with him or do you not? And it felt so scary to own that choice and say out loud, I do want to be with him. But at that point, we, we weren't even dating anymore. So it was, it was very scary and vulnerable to take ownership and know that he may or may not want me back. Hmm. Since you brought up the idea of control, I want to touch in on that. So we talked a lot at the beginning of the episode about the people who maybe are lacking confidence, but mm -hmm. what about the people who have maybe too much confidence <laughs> and what they say is going to be what goes, they have no problem asserting their will and manipulating or guilting people into doing what they want to do. So how can we first... <laughs> Hopefully no one listening to this podcast is that, but if they are, what are some things we can do to, to change? And then secondly, if we're dealing with someone like that, then how can we continue to own our confidence, even in the midst of feeling like we may be bulldozed by theirs? Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I would, I would probably say that we'll, we'll spend the least amount of time on the first, because if somebody is that way, they're probably not that open to being coached. So anything that Very we true. tell them, they Very might true. not do. But I will, I do have, I have a friend in my life who is very assertive and she's very confident and she likes to talk. She's working on listening. Hmm. So the biggest thing that I would say to anybody that perhaps has that confidence and talks perhaps more than they might need to is to simply stop talking occasionally. Take a moment to pause, ask people questions, and be careful about controlling the conversation like a drop-down menu. And I see this all the time. So maybe I would say to you, so Kim, um, do you want to today, do you want to talk about confidence? Do you want to talk about communication? Do you want to talk conflict? What do you want to talk about? As opposed to just saying, hey, Kim, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah. When we stop with the drop-down menu, that can be a way to simply, first of all, you're going to be more efficient. You'll spend less mm -hmm. time and you'll get to the root faster. I feel like sometimes we feel like we need to control what other people might want to be saying. And if we can recognize that when we ask someone, even if it is a child, they have a brain that they can respond with. We don't need to offer all these drop-down menus unless they're asking for that, in which case then you communicate differently and say, hey, there are three options I'm thinking of for you. You want to hear them, but you're also asking questions. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then how do you own it and own your own confidence? Yeah, with somebody pushing back. I'm kind of thinking we should do a little role play right now. Do you want to, Kim? Let's do it. Yes. So do you want to be the per person aggressive or, you know, whatever, and you can do Then I'll just find a way to, I'll model what I might recommend. Sure. Now I, I got to find something. This would be in a about. business 
I can throw I can throw you a bone here. Would you th- you think it would be more helpful in a relationship setting or relationship, a business a relationship? Okay, so if you were, let's say, my partner, what might you be assertive or aggressive? Maybe it's a vacation that I want to take, but you don't. That isn't that serious, though. But let's have it be on. Um, let's have it be on household chores. So, okay, you're not pulling your weight. Okay, so let so. Who's not, so I'm not pulling my weight. I'm going to be the aggressor. So let's say I'm the one not pulling my weight and you're frustrated with me. Okay. And then you're going to defend yourself potentially. Okay. What, how about if you start with defending yourself and why, maybe why you didn't, how about if we just keep it contained to something like load the dishwasher? Yeah. Great. Does that sound good? Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just say, okay, so, so honey, I noticed that the, the dishwasher, all the, di- the the dishes are in the sink and, you know, I, I need you to, I need you to do something around the house. And that's the one thing we agreed on. Listen, I do a lot around the house and you don't give me any credit for it. And I am working all the time and, and also having to manage the bills and all of those things. So just give me a break about the dishes. So I know that you're doing a lot. I feel like we could probably go back and forth with the things that I'm doing and the things that you're doing. Would it be helpful if you knew why that was important to me? I feel like I've heard why it's important to you and I don't know that I care right now. Okay. Well, then that might need to be a whole other conversation that we need to have another time. But what I want to (laughs) do is tell you that I feel loved when you do this and if it helps you and we do it together, maybe that would be a better way. Hmm. Would you be willing to do that maybe for just the next week? I don't know. Yeah. I can, we can just stop the real play. I'm just, so no, that, I think that what I loved about that was when you, when I escalated it, you were like, let's talk about that later. If we need to mm-hmm. let me find an, another way to approach getting my need met. And saying like, what if we did it together? Would that be more helpful? I love how you switched it so quickly to still focus on getting a need met. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly one example. Thanks for jumping in and doing that. Yeah. (laughs) I do think, you know, when somebody keeps pushing, like if you kept pushing... So there's something that I love called an empathy bridge or in, it also depends on how long we've had these conversations, kind of like sure. what you said, you know, we've talked about this before, but if, if you can find a way to interject with affirming something that someone said, you know, as simple mm-hmm. as you know, I, I am so grateful for the fact that you pay the bills and do so many other things instead of saying, but just putting a period there and saying, I still have the same request. Mm-hmm. And and then trying to get to the root of the problem. So yeah. that's why I asked, you know, would it be helpful if you knew? And notice also I asked a question. I didn't say, well, I don't feel loved. It's I would right. like to share with you, you know, would it? So I think there could also be another approach. It could be, I think the way I did go was, would it be helpful if you knew why this mattered to me? And then I think you I said, like I don't that. care. So, or... Or I would simply say, I want you to hear why this matters to me. Mm -hmm. Are you in a space where you can listen to me right now? 
Yeah. And you might have said no. And then we walk away and say, but I'd like to revisit this in an hour or tomorrow. How yeah. does that work for you? Yeah. That is that's really good. There's a lot of good takeaways there for the listeners. Uh, yeah, in so many ways. And so my favorite part of that was you you came in confident. So you were still talking confidently. You didn't back down even when I may have been getting more agitated or more of the quote unquote aggressor in that moment, but you were able to still keep your calm, keep your confidence and and even ask like the asking of permission, can I share with you why this is important? And if they say no, okay. Well, here's another here's another way to look at it. So you continued down, but it didn't feel pushy back. So I would encourage my listeners, if you are in a space, and I know a lot of you are, where you're struggling with difficult conversations, just go back through and listen to how Karen approached that. And then think of ways that you could do that in difficult, compromising types of conversations you might be having in your relationships. It's really good. Good. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So you have a book. It is called Ignite Your... No, you have a podcast called Ignite Your Confidence for people to go and listen to for sure. But you also have a book called Trust Your Own Voice. Yes. Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication. And you've also given our listeners a free gift, which we will include the link to that in the show notes. And it is the nine words to avoid if you want to have confident communication, which I can't wait to read what those nine words are. <laughs> well, thank you. And I think the most important part of that is, is what to say instead, because we're all intrigued by the nine words to avoid. And yes, because I, I never want to leave anybody hanging, that's for sure. And I, I like that's to say too, that I wrote a book that I would read because mm -hmm. I love tangible tips. So every chapter in that book is self-contained. So for those listeners who really liked the role play that we did, difficult conversations. I have a whole chapter on sentence prompts for how to deal with those or executive presence and, and the like. And then the first chapter is all about the mixed messages from my childhood and how that led to my career. And also the fact that it took me so long to get married, not that there's any deadline, but I wanted to be married so much earlier in my life, but I, I finally sealed the deal at 45 years old, but very glad that it worked out the way it did. Awesome. That's fantastic. We will include links to all of those things in the show notes to your podcast, to your book, and also to the free download for our listeners. And I have a feeling that the word just might be on that list. I don't know that. <laughs> How did you guess? How did you guess? How did I guess? <laughs> How did disclosure, I, guess? I have to say, I took some creative liberty. There are some phrases on there. Not, okay. not only words. We'll let it slide. We'll let the phrases slide. <laughs> thank you. Thank those, you. Those will count. Karen, I have loved having this conversation with you and may just have to have you back to have more confident communication conversations in the future. I would love that. Yeah, we could do thank a whole you. one on conflict. Yeah, we and we probably <laughs> should. That is very well needed in this day and age. That's for sure. Here are my key takeaways from today's episode with Karen Laus. First of all, in thinking about our pies, our physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attraction, we have to remember that people are attracted to us when we evoke emotions within them that they enjoy feeling. A lot of times when we speak, we either focus too much on 
ourselves, our wants, our selfishness, or we focus too much on not wanting to make the other person angry. And a lot of times we don't ask for what we need because we are scared that we are going to evoke a negative emotion in the other person. But as we talked about today, there are positive ways that you can ask for your needs in such a way that it actually is best for the relationship. Karen and I walked through a a demonstration of what that could look like in talking about a specific thing. What is a specific act, a specific need that you have? Instead of just going to your husband or going to your wife and saying, I need you to spend more time with me. Why won't you spend more time with me? It's great to shift that and instead say, I would really like for us to spend 15 minutes before we watch TV together at night, connecting and asking each other about our days. Will you do that with me? Get more specific and be confident when you ask. There's a lot of other things that you can go back through the episode and listen to how you should really focus on taking the ums, the likes, the weak voice out of your requests and instead approach your needs with confidence, not with control, not with trying to be a dictator about the relationship, but instead confidently asking for your needs and then also seeking to understand what your spouse's needs are and confidently looking to help your spouse get those needs met as well. Those are my key takeaways from today's episode, but of course, I always love to hear from you. Please leave a review. That is the best way you can help support this podcast and help it to reach more people. And then hit that share button and go ahead and text or email this to a friend that you know would benefit from it. Until next week, stay strong.